0: Hello and welcome to Books by Old Dead Guys, episode 69. I'm Scott. And I'm David. And we are here reading together Precious Remedies Against Satan's Devices by Thomas Brooks. And we are I'm looking at my book. We're almost at the halfway point, David. We're getting there. Uh, this book has been a joy. I've really enjoyed this one. Catch us up to where we are, man, so we can keep rolling.
1: Yeah, so last week we started looking at uh, the device of Satan, which is uh, to have folks believe error to have them believe falsehoods, believe things that are simply not true. And so we talked about some of the remedies uh, that Brooks lists off for uh, combating this device of Satan. We talked about, uh, among other things, just the, the fact that on the Judgment Day, those who spent their time and their energies and their strengths propagating these errors will find that they are of no use to them. Right. We talked about the importance of uh, affectionately receiving the truth into your heart so that error cannot find a, find its place in there. Uh, talked about living out the truth uh, of, of, of Scripture rather than just hearing it and then right. not really wanting anything to do with it. Yep. Uh, and so that's just, that's just some of the remedies that Brooks has already talked about, but he has even more remedies but wait, for us today. So. There's
0: more. Yeah, and I'm about to read, David, what could very well be the longest sentence ever written in the English language.
1: (laughs) It's pretty long.
0: I am on page 94 of Thomas Brooks, and the Puritans are known for their long sentences, right? Like, Mm. this is a thing they do. So, here we go. Remedy four. The fourth remedy against this device of Satan is... Deep breath. ...to hate, reject, and abominate all those doctrines and opinions that are contrary to godliness and that open the door to profaneness and all such doctrines and opinions that require men to hold forth a strictness above what the Scripture requireth, and all such doctrines and opinions that do advance and lift up corrupted nature to the doing of supernatural things, which none can do but by that supernatural power that raised Christ from the grave, And such opinions that do lift up our own righteousness in the room of Christ's righteousness, that place good works in the throne of Christ and makes them co-partners with Christ. Mm. Wow. And all these opinions and doctrines that do so set up and cry up Christ and his righteousness, as to cry down all duties of holiness and righteousness, and all those doctrines and opinions that do make the glorious and blessed privileges of believers in the days of the gospel to be lesser, fewer, and weaker— Than they were in the time of the law. Ah, did your souls arise with a holy hatred and a strong indignation against such doctrines and opinions, you would stand when others fall, and you would shine as the sun in his glory, when many that were once as shining stars may go forth as stinking snuffs.
1: So Thomas Brooks talks about the importance of opposing false doctrines, opposing those doctrines that run against the truth of who Christ is, of who his church is, mm-hmm. uh, the truth of, of the scriptures as they've been
0: given to us. Yeah, he basically like hits, he covers all of his bases here, right? Oh, he's covering like,
1: bases now. He hits
0: legalism. Yes. He hits licentiousness. Yes. He hits He hits like being too strict. He hits being too loose, loose. with the law. He hits, you know, taking detracting power and glory from God by claiming that we could somehow save ourselves. He he, he he skirts around the idea of the law sanctifying. If you're listening to this and you're a, a member at our church, then you just heard me preach a sermon maybe maybe last week, depending on when this comes out, about the fact that the law not only can't justify, but it also can't sanctify because it was never intended to. And mm-hmm. Paul does this in Romans 7. So he's kind of covering all of this. Yes. It's, yes. it's, it's kind of like when you uh, look at a job description and you get to that last sentence And the last sentence says, all duties as assigned are described by the employer. You know, and it's basically like covering...
1: All the bases. Yeah.
0: Basically, we just want you to do everything. Yeah. And that's what he's saying. Basically, all this bad stuff. Yeah. Right? Just reject it. And it's
1: a good reminder to us that there are... There are ditches on both sides of the road. So Absolutely, see, right. Like you can be both too straight and too loose.
0: Yes, I mean, and the you, hardest thing to do is stay in the middle.
1: Stay, yeah. <laughs> keeping it in the middle, keeping it between the ditches is is yep. difficult at times.
0: Now, oh, boy, because
1: you know, we are a people that love to run to the extreme. Yeah. You know, we see how bad it is on this one side, and we think if we just, you know, I, I don't want to be like that, and so we end up completely don't in the wrong other direction. Side. Yeah, Absolutely, we, we, we overcorrect. And just end up end up in error, maybe yep. not the same error that we, uh, that we saw someone else go into,
0: but in error nonetheless. <laughs> right. And sometimes the error we get into is because we don't want oh, yeah. to get into the error of that guy. I want to be like him, so I'm going to be the opposite of him. Well, maybe you should just be what the Bible says. Yes. Like yes. Maybe we should use, and that's where he says to do what? To hate, reject, and abominate. All the doctrines and opinions that are contrary to godliness. Well, how would you know what godliness is? Well, this comes back to what he said last week Mm -hmm. when you were reading of stay in the word. Yes. How do we know what godliness is and looks like he's revealed it in his word? Yes. The word is the the means by which we know how to live a life that is pleasing to God. Period. Mm -hmm. Apart from that, there is no other way. There is no other way. So there you go. Okay, well that sentence was as long as the commentary of the sentence, and yes. so we can go on to remedy five, I believe. Now the, here's the here's the irony. Get this. All right, remedy five. Fifth remedy against this device of Satan is to hold fast the truth. That's the end. That's
1: that's he has commentary. he's got a lot more to say. He's got commentary on that, but that's that's the remedy, folks. <laughs> he gets from
0: one sentence hold
1: fast to the truth. One
0: sentence that has like hundred and thirty words in it. Yeah. To the next one that has five. To hold fast the truth. All right, here we go. As as men take no hold on the arm of flesh till they let go of the arm of God, so men take no hold on error till they have let go their hold of truth. Therefore, hold fast the truth. Truth is thy crown. Hold fast thy crown and let no man take thy crown from thee. Hath not God made truth sweet to thy soul? Yea, sweeter than honey or the honeycomb. And will not thou go on to heaven feeding upon truth that heavenly honeycomb as Samson did of his honeycomb? Ah, souls, have you not found truth sweetening your spirits and cheering your spirits and warming your spirits and raising your spirits and corroborating your spirits? Have you not found truth a guide to lead you, a staff to uphold you, a cordial to strengthen you, and plaster to heal you? And will you not hold fast the truth? Hath not truth been your best friend in your worst days? Hath not truth stood by you when friends have forsaken you? Hath not truth done more for you than all the world could do against you? And will you not hold fast the truth? Is not truth your right eye without which you cannot see for Christ, and your right hand with which you cannot do for Christ, and your right foot without which you cannot walk with Christ? And will you not hold truth fast? Oh, hold fast the truth in your judgments and understandings, in your wills and affections, in your professions and conversations. Truth is more precious than gold or rubies, and all the things thou canst desire are not to be compared to her. Truth is that heavenly glass wherein we may see the luster and glory of divine wisdom, power, greatness, love, and mercifulness. In this glass, you may see the face of Christ, the favor of Christ, the riches of Christ, and the heart of Christ beating and working sweetly toward your souls. Oh, let your souls cleave to truth, as Ruth did to Naomi, and say, I will not leave truth, nor return from following after truth, but where truth goes, I will go, and where truth lodgeth, I will lodge, and nothing but death shall part truth and my soul. What had John said to the church of Philadelphia, I may say to you, hold fast that which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. The crown is the top of royalties. Such a thing is truth. Let no man take thy crown. Hold fast the faithful word as Titus speaks. You would better let go anything than truth You had better let go your honors and riches, your friends and pleasures, and the world's favors, yea, your nearest and dearest relations, and your very lives, than to let go truth. Oh, keep the truth, and and truth will make you safe and happy forever. Blessed are those souls that are kept by truth.
1: Mm. So I love what he says, that those who hold on to error do so by first letting go of truth. That's right. That those who hold that, that hands grip
0: towards air have have first let go of the truth. So good cuz you hold on to both with both hands. Mm-hmm. Right? You can't yeah. hold on to truth with one hand and falsehood with the other. No, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. No. Mm. But, and then
1: he just he goes on that was in, in awesome. praise of yeah. truth. Yeah. Just in in praise of truth, just ending with Keep the truth the truth will make you safe and happy forever blessed are those who keep the truth
0: Yep it's I mean certain points where where Brooks just like goes off on something and it makes you go where's my water pistol I'm ready to take on a hill <laughs> let's go Yes truth, truth. You know that's it's, it's you know it's like it's like Mel Gibson in Braveheart freedom yeah. Yes that's but that's that's what he's going for right like yes. This is it's 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 worth pausing it for a second and saying this is why I the easiest way for me to know that you have never actually read a good Puritan book is when you say something like the Puritans were just sad and depressed all the time <laughs> or they lacked emotion. Man,
1: have you? Yeah. Can
0: yeah. I introduce you to Thomas Brooks, <laughs> you know, or Thomas Watson or John Owen? Like these guys, they were, were not lacking in emotion. And they were deeply passionate. Yes. But it was an informed passion, informed, informed. by as Brooks just told us truth. truth. And we invert that, right? We want passion first and then truth is negotiable. And the Puritans anchor us into this idea that it's truth and from truth, from theology. Like you should not be dispassionate about theology. The study of God should not be something that you could just kind of coldly just talk about as though it was, you know, not that interesting or not that exciting or not that life changing. When you really study God, when you really study his word, man, it's, it's deeply passionate. Oh yeah, but it's informed passion. It's it's you know I think it's Stephen Lawson that calls preaching logic on fire. Mm. You mm. know that that you are you're building these logical arguments like as we study in in, in Paul in Romans like oh, deeply yeah. logical arguments but also deeply informed deeply passionate. You know he's got lots. Wait till he gets to Romans ten. You know where he says I would that I were cut off for the sake of my brothers. But he doesn't say that dispassionately. Oh no. You know, he means it. Yes. And, and, you know, the, the, the end of Romans 7. Oh, wretched man that I am who will save me from this body of death. You know, this is a, this is a cry out to God. Yes. And then a revelation of, Thanks be to God for his wonderful gift in Christ Jesus, right? It, yes, I will be saved from this body of death. Mm. This is what Brooks is doing. And this is all truth. When you really look into the truth of God's word, man, it's it's amazing. It is. And we are to be enraptured by it. And that's it what he's saying. And it is
1: worth letting go of your honors and riches and friends and pleasures and the world's favors and even your nearest and dearest relations. It is worth. It is worth disagreeing with all of these people. Yep. If it means holding on to the truth, yep. it is worth being rejected by every last one of them. If it means holding on to the truth.
0: Yep. It's why I have one sentence on my whiteboard in my office that stays up 24 seven. And it says, if God approves, nothing, nothing God else matters. Truth. That's what's important. All right. All right. All right. That was exciting. Remedy six. Here we go. The sixth remedy against this divide of Satan is to keep humble. Mm. Humility will keep the soul free from many darts of Satan's casting and erroneous snares of his spreading. As low trees and shrubs are free from many violent gusts and blasts of wind which shake and rend the taller trees, so humble souls are free from those gusts and blasts of error that rend and tear proud lofty souls. Mm. Satan and the world would have least power to fasten errors upon humble souls. The God of light and truth delights to dwell with the humble. And the more light and truth dwells in the soul, the further off darkness and error will stand from the soul. The God of grace pours in grace into humble souls as men pour liquor into empty vessels. And the more grace is poured into the soul, the less error shall be able to overpower the soul or to infect the soul. That is a sweet word in Psalm 25, 9. The meek or the humble will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. And certainly, souls guided by God and taught by God are not easily drawn aside into ways of error. Oh, take heed of spiritual pride. Pride fills our fancies and weakens our graces and makes room in our hearts for error. There are no men on earth so soon entangled and so easily conquered by error as proud souls. Oh, it is dangerous to love to be wise above what is written, to be curious and unsober in your desire of knowledge, and to trust to your own capacities and abilities to undertake to pry into all secrets and to be puffed up with a carnal mind. Souls that are thus soaring above the bounds and limits of humility, usually fall into the very worst of errors, as experience doth daily evidence.
1: Mm. So he talks about humility being a protection against error. Yeah. That humility, uh, being humble, will often, often keep you from falling into very serious and very worse errors that, that ensnare those who are more proud and more lofty. That he talks about how how our our Lord is near to those who are humble. That He makes His dwelling with those who are of a humble
0: humble Mm -hmm. state, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is sweet, sweet to consider. Absolutely, and and worth pursuing. Right? Yes. The the pursuit of humility has got to be the hardest, one of the hardest parts of the Christian life. It's got to be Um, because here is the hard part: as soon as you think you are humble you're probably not probably not yeah i mean it's it's kind of one of those things i mean you know like only moses get to gets to say moses was the most humble man that ever lived like all the rest <laughs> of us don't get to do that mm-hmm. you know and it, it, that that is it's so true i mean you think i think of the number of of pastors um or especially prominent pastors you know when i say yeah. prominent i mean guys yeah. who pastor large churches and have yeah. big platforms um prominence in this world is upside down from prominence in the kingdom of god but but that's what i mean you see these guys who get above accountability if you will yes. or they they begin to think more highly of themselves than they ought and you know you know public public disgrace is not far mm-hmm. but that public disgrace that's come out now has been months and years in, in the, the making. making and it began most often with a lack of humility mm-hmm. Right, that is the that's, that's that's the starting point. That's the starting seed. point. It's the seed that the enemy seed the enemy plants that seed in the heart, particularly of those people who have been called to shepherd and lead. But yeah. everybody, for sure. But for so so, you want to pray for your pastors? Man, pray for increased humility. Yes, constantly pray for that because yes. that is a that is a war we fight often. Every pastor fights often. So, all right, one more, one more, Rivity seven. The seventh remedy against this device of Satan is solemnly to consider the great evils that errors have produced. Error is a fruitful mother and hath brought forth such monstrous children as have set towns, cities, and nations on fire. Error is that whorish woman that hath cast down many, wounded many, yea, slayed many strong men, many great men, many learned men, and many professing men in former times and in our time, as is too evident to all that are destitute of the truth and blinded by Satan. Oh, the graces that error hath weakened, and the sweet joys and comforts that error hath clouded, if not buried. Oh, the hands that error hath weakened, the eyes that error hath blinded, the judgments of men that error hath perverted, the minds that error hath darkened, the hearts that error hath hardened, the affections that error hath cooled. The consciences that error hath seared and the lives of men that error hath polluted. Ah, oh, souls, can you solemnly consider this and not tremble more of error than of hell itself? Mm. Mm. So
1: consider what consider what false doctrines have brought about. Yeah. Consider consider the ramifications of believing and living according to these false doctrines.
0: And I tell you the thing that immediately comes to my mind, David, is the first time I went to Salt Lake City and stood in Temple Square, mm. right? I'm, I'm standing there. It's our mission team, came from our church, landed in Salt Lake City, wanted to get the tour of the temple because that's just what you did. But when you go in, you're standing there and there must be 200 or 300, 17, 18, 19-year-old boys and girls. Wow. I don't use that in an insulting way, but they are. They're children still, right, who have been discipled and raised in error mm. to believe that they could earn their salvation, that the greatest goal that they have for their life was to be a missionary for the Church of Latter-day Saints so that they might receive salvation based on their works. Mm. So they would be sealed in the temple and married and end up eventually, you know, in the celestial marriage, having their own planet inhabited by the children that they procreate. Everything built on the error of one arrogant man
1: Mm.
0: who was used by the enemy and is still being used by the enemy to deceive millions. And you can't, as a Christian, stand in that environment and not feel the weight Amen. of error. Yeah. Right? Like that's it's where my mind goes. Mm-hmm. It goes to somewhere like that of someone who had access to the truth and who thought that the best use would be to distort it. Yeah. To, to, twist to, it. to twist it and make it into what he wanted it to be. And uh and and it's and it's it's close. Right. And that's the trick. Satan's greatest tricks is to give us error that's close to the truth yeah. because, yeah. because then people will buy it.
1: Yeah. The greatest lies are mingled with the truth.
0: Oh. And so, so I, I read that whole section that Brooks is talking about of the, of the, of the, of, the, of what error has wrought. And that's immediately where my mind goes. You know, it goes to the folks who come and knock on your door yes. on Saturday mornings and hand you material because they actually believe. That giving you that material and knocking on your door is the doorway to the kingdom of heaven. They really believe that. They really do. You know, that that's the sort of stuff, and that's why we must know the word. Yes. That it all comes back to what he said at device three or device four, we must know the word. And we, as pastors, must must prioritize the right teaching of the of word. The word mm-hmm. Right? This is life or death. Not just physical life, spiritual life or death at stake from the accurate handling of God's word. That's why it takes us so long to write a sermon. <laughs> yes. Right? Because that's all why, of us.
1: That's why everything has to be chased down, every, every yeah. stone has to be turned over, every. And yeah. uh, you, you, why, why it see, why there's a, a temptation. To want to read every commentary that has ever been written yep. about the passage that you're preaching on.
0: It's why James 3, one says, Let not money of you become teachers, brothers, knowing that as such you will incur a, a stricter, stricter judgment. judgment. That's why. Right? Because all of us are one bad day away, not only from being heretics. One bad sermon prep day for not only being heretics, but leading people into heresy.
1: Yeah.
0: Right. It's the it's it's got to be the most important job in the universe because we handle God's word and rightly divide the word of truth. Mm -hmm. And it matters. Yeah. There's a ton. Yeah. There you go. Okay, Well, that was a a good section. All right.
1: Pick up on the next device next week.
0: Thank you guys for listening. We'll talk again soon.
1: Goodbye.